They're the joyful agains our children shout on the swings, the exhausting agains of cooking and laundry, and the difficult agains of discipline. So much of what we do as mothers is on repeat. So what if we woke up with clarity, knowing which agains we were called to, and went to bed believing we are faithful in what matters most? We believe God's word is the key to untangle from the confusion and overwhelm we feel. Let's look up together to embrace a motherhood full of freedom and joy. Thanks for joining us for the Again podcast. This is brought to you by Entrusted Ministries, and I'm your host, Stephanie Hickox. Today, I'm joined by the wonderful Jen Freckman, Emily Dio, and Betsy Corning. This episode will connect with Lesson 7 of Entrusted with a Child's Heart on the Inherent Nature of a Child. We have all three of these amazing women because we are delving into a theologically deep topic. Does it really matter if we believe our children are born with a sin nature, or if we believe that they're born innocent and being affected by the world around them? We truly need to understand this as mothers, and we need to know what the Bible says about it. So that's our topic of this Untangled episode today. This is the second half of our conversation on Lesson 7. We chose to break it up into two parts because this episode is rich with theology. We think it's important to meditate upon what it means for our lives and not just rush through to consume more information. I can humbly admit to you that I needed a reminder of part one and the Lord truly made that evident to me that in this past week. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, I would recommend you start there and then continue with this episode. Before we continue with the second half of our conversation, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about what's headed your way in the months to come. Pretty soon, we're going to take a break from the Untangled series that corresponds with the Entrusted with a Child's Heart lesson series. We're going to have several episodes that share our Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's traditions. We're even going to talk about the talk. We'll also be sharing natural solutions and answering questions like, what do you do if it's a Friday night, all the stores are closed, and your child has an ear infection? Is there anything in your house that you can do to ease their pain and even promote healing? What natural beauty solutions are there, and what can we use to clean our homes that is safe and effective? Jen Freckman is a wealth of information on these solutions, and she'll guide us in the process of caring for our children and ourselves in practical ways. And perhaps she'll even be willing to admit to you that she once recommended that I tape my mouth shut. And you can find out if that was a natural remedy and what it would be beneficial for. So now we're going to start that second half of our conversation on the inherent nature of a child. The first half regarding our partnership with God showed that God saves and sanctifies, and we edify and evangelize. And I'm just going to include the very end of that conversation because I think it was such an important word for all of us. And Betsy, could you offer some encouragement to the moms who might be listening and thinking, I didn't know about this when they were babies. I didn't know about it when they were toddlers. I came to faith later, or maybe I just didn't understand my role. Is it too late for me Mm -hmm. to train them? It is never, ever too late. God is the God of hope. 
And even if you raised a child who is 25 and absolutely not walking with the Lord, mm-hmm. you, there's still hope. I have a chapter, chapter 13, a mother never gives up, never gives up on her children, always prays, always loves. But we also don't condone, we don't encourage a rebellion, but we are always there uh, with open arms as should they, like the prodigal son, return. But, you know, I've had a lot of moms say, oh my, I've got a 15-year-old I just took and trusted, and, you know, I feel like we never set this foundation Well, sometimes you just need to sit down with the family and say, we're going to have a family meeting because things are going to change a little bit in our in our home. And we're going to start living by biblical convictions. And Mm -hmm. then we go way back and we talk about what those are and particular family standards for their protection. Mm -hmm. And it can be harder on a child that's older and used to having a lot of freedom. But that's not necessarily the case. It might be that they just came to faith and they just are learning how to do things biblically. But I would say that for myself, when I had my first child, I was pretty green and I give entrusted to mothers as a gift. So they are way ahead of where I was in my life. And I would say that even with our oldest, we went through a lot of challenges and struggles But those are the things that helped me be able to encourage women in in big struggles, in big Mm -hmm. struggles in life. That's why I say I wrote Entrusted to Encourage Moms. And I was so privileged to be around such godly women in my early years of marriage. And they helped me immensely. And I feel like it's a luxury for women to have that. So if entrusted can be that for somebody, if it can be that community of encouragement. And I tell you that if you're struggling and you're thinking that certain thing, so are many, many mm-hmm. other women. Yes. And so when we get together as a group, we can encourage each other and we can, you know, make some mid-course corrections too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that I say is tenderness and connection with your kids. We're not going to suddenly be a controlling parent because it's really not about controlling behavior. Mm-hmm. It's really about getting a hold of their heart where they surrender their heart and they want to obey the Lord. And that's the process that we go through through several of these chapters. I would certainly want moms to be hopeful. We also want to talk about the inherent nature of a child, and this is incredibly countercultural. We want to make sure that we have a biblical perspective of our children's fallen nature. You're saying it's countercultural, and it is because most of culture believes that children are innocent and they're Mm -hmm. born innocent. Mm -hmm. And if we, as biblical Christians, believe, no, they are born with a sin nature inherited through Adam, that is right there, just a complete opposite uh, presupposition about a person. So if you have a child and you believe they're born innocent and they do something uh, that's disobedient, maybe you wouldn't even use that word. See, that's Mm -hmm. the word that a mother who, who sees, a Christian mother who believes they have their inheritance in nature, they would say that is a, a demonstration, an act of their will in disobedience, and that would require some sort of discipline. Whereas the person that doesn't believe that they have a sin nature believes that they're innocent, then what are they correcting? 
So they won't correct with discipline. Instead, they will use instruction, most likely instruction. Let's just talk about this and how do you feel about it? So there might be some emotional thing and then there's no redirecting of the will. And the other main thing that causes a big rift is if we as Christians believe in creation. And if a person doesn't believe in creation, they don't believe in the Genesis story of creation and that Adam was created and Eve was created. And I was just thinking about this. The Lord had to only make two people because if he made four people or six people, then some of them wouldn't have had an inheritance in nature, but God designed it that way. So none of us escapes that. And because of that, if we don't believe that, then we cannot even believe in salvation because Romans tells us that just as sin entered through one man, the gift of salvation, the rescue of mankind comes through one man, one sinless man. And it could only come through one sinless man, Jesus. I could read this verse right here, and this would be Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as through one man... Sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. And then Romans 3.10 says, there is none righteous, not even one. So that tells us that it actually has spread to all people. And then the next one is Romans 5.17 and 18. For if by the transgression of one, death reigned through the one, that being Adam, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. And this is really important for us to understand because we can't really understand the gospel if we don't understand that first part of Genesis mm, in yes. which Adam and Eve disobeyed mm -hmm. and they fell and we all inherited that sin nature. Mm -hmm. That's so good. I was reading, actually, I was reading through Genesis today. Read the all account again. <laughs> so, uh, the whole sorry. thing <laughs> was no big deal just this afternoon. Yeah, Emily just speed reading in her chair. Sorry. <laughs> it's all in a day's work. No, I was just reading the first few chapters. I, I wanted to just recount how I, I was thinking on this, and I wanted to hear the tone in which God spoke to them, to Adam and Eve, when they had sinned. Because I thought, we parent little sinners every day, and I just <laughs> wanted to hear, to read the tone in in his communication with mm -hmm. Adam and Eve when they had sinned. And you read, and it's there's this great intentionality and creation and just so much purpose in everything the Lord does. And then you read where they're eating, they eat of the fruit and they hide. And it's like a parent to a child, come out and you have <laughs> sinned and you have done wrong. And <laughs> it's not comical in any way, but it is because you see how the Lord is communicating with them and they're acting so childlike. And you see yourself in, in that communication with your own children. When you had talked about Genesis and beginning, I just was reminded that God, God communicates with us in a big way, and we communicate with our children 
when they sin because they inherit nature. And so along those lines, as we're talking about sin and just uh, what all that entails, as we've talked with our children or we, as we're going over, just we want to make sure they first know what the definition of sin is. What is sin and where does it come from? Going back to Genesis, we talk to them as they get older. And of course, in doses, it's increased as they've gotten older, but the reality of sin and where that can lead. And then, and then we talk to them about what is the big problem with what specific sin and what does that mean to you and what could that consequence be to you. And there's so much opportunity for, I say all of that to say, there's so much opportunity to talk with our children about sin and where it leads, no matter the age or stage they're in. I find it hard to understand how anyone would think that we aren't born with a sinful nature. I just think I did not need to teach them to throw a tantrum or to (laughs) whine or complain. As the adult in the home, I do not whine when I don't get my way or I don't kick my legs on the ground in the grocery store. I have not (laughs) taught them that. And so I just, I struggle sometimes with really how... I don't understand how sometimes that can become a cross as we're not born with a sinful nature. Mm-hmm. I, I And even as my own self, waking up every single day, I have a sinful nature. I know, <laughs> I, apart from me with his Holy Spirit, like I'm going to sin against them every day. It, it's an interesting perspective to understand. Right. Why are self-help books mm. always bestsellers? Because people are fallen and we haven't figured it out yet. We're still trying to search for these answers. And if we believe we are, then Jesus Mm. gets all the glory. And also there is a solution. But if we believe we weren't born with a fallen nature, well, Mm. all you have to do is turn on the news. As you were saying, Jen, I can invite them over to my house. You'll see it. it. It just feels so evident. And there's no hope if we don't believe that Christ has redeemed our sinful nature that there is a solution. There's to no him. hope of salvation if you don't believe you've sinned mm. and you need to yeah. be rescued. So mm-hmm. it's really important mm-hmm. if you're doing children a travesty, if you help them think that they're innocent, they're born innocent. Something in God's mm-hmm. mercy that he, if a child dies, they're not held as culpable or he will receive them into mm-hmm. heaven up to a particular age. And we can look at a lot of examples in the Bible of that. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. guess the biggest one that I think of is, of course, King David. Yeah. When he sinned with Bathsheba, they had a son, and the son was not doing well, lived for about a week, and David was beside himself uh, on his face on the floor, praying that God would. Uh, save the child and the child died and the servants just were beside themselves thinking now he will do himself harm because the child has died. He was so upset and distraught while he still was living, what's going to happen. And, but David got up, got dressed and ate and they were shocked and said, how is this possible that while he was alive, you were distraught, but now that he's died, you seem to be okay. And he said, because I will see him again in heaven. He didn't say it exactly like that, but that is what Mm -hmm. the meaning is. Mm -hmm. But then later in his life, he has a son, one of his sons, he has several, Absalom, who 
decided to try when David was near the end of his life, tried to take over the kingdom, tried to wrest the throne from his father. He rebelled and he was killed in the battle. In fact, it was so much of the battle was in a force that more people died in the forest because of the conditions than they did in actual battle. And his son was caught in a tree by his hair in the crook of a tree. And the commander of the army who was told not to harm him, David told him, do not harm my son, bring him back alive. But Joab killed him and had other men also strike him with a sword and pierce him through so that uh, he was definitely gone. And David was inconsolable over his son. So how can this be? that he would uh, arise and eat and be okay, knowing that his child would be in heaven with him. But when his older son was killed, that he was inconsolable, and he co- continually was saying, oh, Absalom, oh, would it were that it were me instead of you? And why was he so inconsolable? Because he knew that Ad- Absalom had a rebellious heart and that he was not assured that he mm-hmm. would see him in eternity. He didn't have that confidence. Of course, we never know, but it tells us in the Bible that he was definitely rebellious against the Lord. So that was mm-hmm. the that was why David had that response. Mm-hmm. Comforting to know that if we have young children, that the Lord in his mercy receives them into heaven. Very. Mm-hmm. That's such a good word. Yeah. Yes. I've never really thought of, I've heard both of those stories many times, read many of them. Mm -hmm. And hearing you say it like that is like, oh, that's so true. The weight of him knowing had a rebellious heart because there's no joy and no peace in knowing Mm -hmm. you will one day see them again. And it was Mm -hmm. total loss of hope. As long as he was alive, there was still hope right. of coming to the Lord. There's there's okay. two stories from the book by Devoted by Tim Chellies. And one is about a mom who prayed unceasingly for her son. And it's actually a fabulous book. But the son is Christopher Yawn. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. U-A-N. So, okay. Yes. And his mother... I'm just going to read a portion. It says, little did he know that Angela had been praying for years. She had been earnestly pleading with God to save her son. She had converted an unused shower into the home, in the home to a prayer room and spent so many hours praying and studying her Bible each morning that her knees became hard and calloused. She committed every Monday to prayer and fasting and once even fasted for 39 days straight. She enlisted hundreds of her friends to join her in interceding for her son. While Christopher was partying, she was praying. In particular, Angela prayed that in some way and for some reason, Christopher's friends would desert him. And she go, it just goes on to say how they did desert him. And when they did desert him, they, he called his mom and she came and talked mm-hmm. to him about the Lord. But the part that gets me is her earnestness in praying. But also that she enlisted hundreds of her friends to join her in interceding for her son. Mm. Oh, I pray that if ever I'm in that situation, that I Mm. would humble myself and care more about my child's salvation and heart than I would about 
the reputation or that I wouldn't Mm -hmm. want to keep that close and just be ashamed, but that I would say, oh, Lord, I don't care who knows, this child needs you. And Mm -hmm. I think the heart of a mother who cares more about the spiritual well-being of the child, caring what other people think is so strong and so powerful. It's evidence of what we were talking about at the beginning, that she understands it's God's role. Because if she believed it was so much on her, she would Mm. hide in shame, perhaps, over it. But because she understands God's drawing him, this is God's role to save him, let's go before him. I think that book is so encouraging because it shows so many examples of faithful mothers, but in radically different situations. And you can see how God uses each of them, whether their children are grown Mm -hmm. or young, their husbands are pastors or husbands weren't believers. Mm -hmm. That was so encouraging. Yeah. And it just goes to show that there is no perfect formula. Mm -hmm. There is no cookie cutter. That God gives us truths and, and ways. And I'm so thankful for Entrusted, the ways that Betsy, that you've given us practical tools that are very biblically sound Mm -hmm. to be able to use and to train up our child. Because sometimes we, as moms, we just lost, like, we don't, I don't know what Mm -hmm. to do. And so, yes, we pray, we fast for them, we plead for the Lord, but you've also given us tools, which is Mm -hmm. so life-giving and helpful. Mm -hmm. There's one other mom in here, Charles Spurgeon's mom. And at one point she pleaded with God to extend his saving mercy to her children. Charles remembered that on one occasion she prayed in this way, now, Lord, if my children go on in their sins, it will be from ignorance that they perish, and my soul must bear a swift witness against them at the day of judgment if they lay not hold of Christ. The thought of his own mother bearing witness against him mm-hmm. pierced his soul and stirred his heart. And I found that so interesting mm-hmm. that, oh, that our children would know we would bear witness against them that we did we did everything we could mm-hmm. to tell you about the Lord. and. It's in the end, it's ultimately your decision and the Lord working in your heart to change you, to be able to unscale your eyes, to see and to soften your heart, to be able to accept him. Jen, could you mention the title of that book again and the author so people who might be interested could uh, check into it? Yes, it's Devoted Great Men and Their Godly Moms by Tim Chalice. Thank you. I think that's a sign because you mentioned it last week, Steph, and you're mentioning it today, Jen. I'm ordering this book. <laughs> oh, it's good. Always Thinking. on the hunt for a really good one, right? Even though I have a stack to read. Yeah. The verse for this lesson is the Hebrews 12, 11. All discipline mm-hmm. for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet mm-hmm. to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And I think there are all of the scriptures that Betsy picked out for us to memorize as moms in this study. All of them are so pertinent and so helpful, and they come to my Mm -hmm. mind at very (laughs) odd times, (laughs) right when I need them. And I'm so thankful for them. Um, But this one, there is something special about this verse, and I... I feel like it ties in so much with some of the other things when you're training that child. 
there's just, this verse is so powerful. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. That it's the worst part of parenting. Disciplining Mm -hmm. your child is the worst part of parenting. I don't enjoy that. I don't like seeing their hearts not being submitted to the Lord. And I don't like having to follow through and the consistency of it. It's the hardest, worst part. It's sorrowful. Yes, that's what it says. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. But we don't get Mm -hmm. that peaceful fruit of righteousness until after they Mm. have been trained by it, until their heart Mm -hmm. has given over and said, Mm -hmm. you're right. And I, I want to change and and I need to change. Mm-hmm. And the Lord works in their heart. It's been so helpful. There's a verse in Romans, Romans 12, 18 says, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And then James 3, 13 through 18 says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from a God is first from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness, they're that same word. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And I just think as a mom, that is so powerful Mm -hmm. because as I'm disciplining Mm -hmm. this child and pleading with the Lord to change their hearts and I'm turning their affections and their hearts towards the Lord once again and being consistent and I'm hoping and praying for that peaceful fruit of righteousness When I know what righteousness is, that a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And I looked up the definition of righteousness, and it's a devotion to a sinless life, conformity and purity of heart. And I just thought, oh, I want that for them more than I do the peace. Like, I want peace in our home, and I do want the peace of not having to constantly discipline them because they actually have been trained by it. But I want Mm -hmm. most of all for them to live a righteous life. I want their Mm -hmm. hearts to be filled with that righteousness, that their devotion to a sinless life, that's what we're Mm -hmm. looking for. And I find that just that the inherent nature of a child is so bent on sinning and yet all discipline working that through in that sinful nature is how the Lord works our hearts relationship with him and how he, Mm -hmm. we are if we are trained by it, we get the righteousness mm-hmm. any day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Would you repeat the definition that you came up with for righteousness? Yeah. It says, I, on one of the things that I had looked at, it said, righteousness is a devotion to a sinless life mm-hmm. and conformity and purity of heart. One line that I really love from this lesson is that all disciplined lives are the product of training. Hmm. And we can see that in every other arena of mm-hmm. life. The athletes, they have trained. The musicians, they have trained. The academics, they've all trained. We should expect that this is going to take training and training our children's character and training them to see mm-hmm. their own sin and training them to see their need for Christ. And it is exhausting. It is wearing. It is sorrowful sometimes. 
But when we trust in the Lord's partnership with us, when we trust in the peace that we are sowing for their future, then I think we can find the strength in him to persevere in it. We have been so encouraged by your faithful listening, and we have a couple favors to ask of you to help spread the word. Our desire is that this podcast would encourage mothers who desire to parent biblically, and you can help us. The first way is you can write a review. Podcast platforms are more likely to recommend this podcast to mothers if we have a greater number of reviews, so we would really appreciate that. You can also like us on social media. Our Facebook page is Entrusted Ministries, and our Instagram is Entrusted with a Child's Heart. We would still love it if you sent us a question to answer on the podcast. And lastly, did you know that we would be more than happy to speak at your church and encourage moms in your community? So reach out to us. You can fill out a contact form on the Entrusted Ministries website, and we'll try to get something on the calendar. We know you're busy, Mama, so we are truly grateful you joined us for this episode of Again. If you're looking for more information about building your home on the foundation of Jesus Christ, head to www.entrustedministries.com to learn more about our study for moms, Entrusted with a Child's Heart. This scripture-saturated study has blessed families around the world, and we want it for you too. Before you go, I want to pray this benediction over you from 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 through 12. We're rooting for you. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Until we meet again.